Good morning. How many people are excited to be in church on a Sunday morning? Before you're seated, if you can continue standing, can we give it up for our fearless visionary senior leaders, Pastor Pradeepin and Amritha? Unbelievable. We love you guys. We honor you guys. The scripture says leaders who lead well are worthy of double honor. So let's go one more time. Let's give it up for Pradeepin and Amritha. You can be seated. Thank you, guys. What a privilege to be at Kalos Church at the ground floor. How many people believe Seattle, Bellevue, the Pacific Northwest has not seen anything yet? I believe that what God's going to do through this church is not just going to touch um, the suburb. It's going to touch the city. It's going to touch the region. And it's going to be generational. Um, as I was praying this morning, I actually sensed what you guys are investing into is not even just about this moment. It's not even about this decade. It's actually about future generations. And uh, this is not just a, a good idea. This isn't just a random short-lived church plant. This is going to be a church that I believe will be an apostolic center, will be a hub uh, for the region. It's going to be um, remarkable to see what God does through this church. I believe you guys are going to write history as a church that you're going to be innovating and pioneering and even building a new template uh, for what church could look like and be like. And I think that's the grace on this house. And I'm excited I get to see it from the beginning. And I can't wait to, to be a part of your journey through the years. We just love you guys so much. On behalf of Lindsay and I, it's an honor to be in relationship. We're, we're covenant people. We, it's a biblical term, covenant. We believe in not just friendship, but actually a place of agreement and alignment in the spirit that's that's profound and significant and we certainly feel that with your leadership um, so many that we've known through the years have just such a respect for this entire team um, my son mason is here he's actually he didn't want to go to kids church he wanted to help volunteer so he's part of the leadership team in kids ministry today he's seven um and uh so i think he's leading maybe the, the, the five-year-olds or something like that but he's helping um and then uh he has a younger brother jude who's four uh, when it was just the two boys, we basically had a WWE ring in our house every single day. But the Lord hath heard Lindsay's prayers. And we have a new girl in the house. Her name is Liviana. Here's a little picture of her. She's amazing. She's now five months old. She's changed everything. I'm obsessed with her. Completely obsessed with her. She's, un she's unbelievable. So um, Lindsay's with the baby, but says a huge hello. And I hope to bring her one day. It will be the highlight of your entire life if you are able to meet her. She's amazing. Hey, are you guys excited to be in church today? Turn to your neighbor. Say, neighbor, if it wasn't for you, I would be, without any doubt, unequivocally, absolutely, the best-looking person in church this morning. Is anyone hungry for God's word? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you that eye has never seen, ear has never heard. It's never even entered the heart of humanity, what you have prepared for us who love you. Spirit of God, we invite you to speak specifically and directly to each and every life. Somebody's here for the very first time. I pray that you would capture their heart today. Lord, if somebody's been journeying with you for years, I pray that you'd refresh, revitalize, rejuvenate even re, re, may there be a rebirth, Lord, in their spiritual journey, even today, Father. We thank you that you are making all things new. Speak to us in Jesus' name, and everybody shout it. Amen. 
title of my message today is A Church Without Limits. This will be a second installment of the broader series, Miracles. And what I would suggest to you this morning is that miracles are not just intended to be once in a lifetime for us or once in a decade even. I believe that Christ invites us into a life full of miracles. Miracles actually becoming our normal. And, uh, and I want to build that case for us this morning from the scriptures. But I'll begin by asking this question. How many people believe that nothing is impossible with God? I, I mean, I think you don't have to be an intellectual giant to come to that conclusion. You step outside and you look at this outrageous world that God's created around us, the beauty of creation, the complexity of the universe. And I think you have to come to the conclusion that the author of it all is wise He's capable. He's powerful. In fact, nothing is impossible with God. And, and Jesus made that declaration in Luke chapter 1, verse 37. Nothing will be impossible with God. What I would suggest this morning is that one of Christ's primary message was not simply that nothing is impossible with God, but actually that nothing is impossible for us. Somebody just say no limits. No. Jesus said, in the book of Matthew, he said, truly I tell you. Now, whenever Jesus opens one of his sayings with this phrase, it's so that we recognize he's not just using hyperbole or exaggeration. He's speaking straightforward. He's speaking um, with absolute uh, clarity. He says, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a seed. Now, notice just Jesus doesn't make the prerequisite if you have faith like Father Abraham. Or if you have faith like John the Baptist. Or if you have faith like King David. No, he simply says if you have faith like a tiny seed. You can command these mountains to move. Then check this out. Nothing will be impossible for who? For you. So Jesus not only makes the argument nothing is impossible for God. But he also says I'm, gonna, I'm going to model for three years in public ministry what life could look like. In fact, the Bible says when he comes from heaven to earth, he lays aside the power of his divinity, and he becomes dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit, showing us as a model what our life could look like. Well, the scripture says when we come to Jesus, we're no longer slaves to sin. We actually become slaves to righteousness. In other words, we have to work contrary to our new nature to continue in sin. It's actually not even who we are anymore to continue a life of sin. And I believe in the same way we have to work contrary to our new nature when we come to Christ to live a possible, limited life that doesn't have miracles in it. I believe when we come to Jesus, we get recalibrated for the impossible. In fact, miracles, the supernatural, the intervention of heaven, the impossible becomes the limitless life becomes our new Normal. There's actually a seed in our spirit that, that, that desires. There's a seed of desire. There's a seed of passion. There's a seed of hunger in our spirit when we come to Christ that desires the impossible intervention of heaven. That's how we are created. Jesus said in John 14, 12, I tell you the truth. Again, he opens with this very categorical opening. Make sure you know that I mean what I'm about to say. Anyone who believes in me. Now, this Greek word, anyone, I know you guys love the Greek here since your church is named a poorly pronounced Greek word, kalos. He says, anyone, I forgot to tell you guys, I'm actually a 
Italian Syrian Michigander living in Southern California. And I, I forgot to give you that introduction, but I share that unique blend of, of ethnicity and background as your senior leaders. But he says anyone, anyone, which in the Greek word, if you actually study that word anyone in the original language, um, you'll actually discover that that word means anyone. He says anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works. In other words, Jesus saying, I am going to model for you what your existence can look like. And how many people know the works he did? He raised the dead. He cleansed the lepers. He multiplied loaves of fishes. He walked on water. He brought life and hope and healing wherever he went. And Jesus said effectively, if I can do it, you can do it and even greater. And apparently this message began to resonate. It began to, to become real to his followers because just literally years after his ascension, these uneducated men are described as turning the world upside down in Acts chapter 17, verse 6. And I believe that God wants to take the limits off our life. Whatever lid, whatever limitation, whatever thing has been holding you back from the impossible, from the supernatural, from the miraculous, God wants to actually destroy that limitation. And he wants you to step into the fullness of what he sent you to the earth to release. See, I don't believe that you are simply here as a result of your parents' decision. I believe you didn't even come from your parents. I believe you came through your parents. You came from the heart and mind of God. And every single person in the room was sent to this earth by God through your parents. He knew exactly where you were supposed to be born. He knew exactly the time you were supposed to be born. He knew exactly uh, even the home you were supposed to be born in because it was all connected to your divine purpose. And God literally sends you to the earth and he says, I want you to fulfill a purpose. I want you to manifest greatness. I want you to release something on the planet that the planet has never seen before. And I want you to do it by the power of my spirit. How many people are ready to remove the limits this morning? So how do we take these limits off? How do we step into the supernatural, impossible life that Jesus desires us to live? Number one this morning, we have to hear his voice. I believe living the impossible, living a life without limits, begins from a place of revelation. We have to hear the voice of Jesus. And the great news this morning is hearing the voice of God is not difficult, it's not distant, it's not hard, it's not something we have to wait years and years and years to do. In fact, Jesus made the statement in, in the book of John chapter 10, verse 27, he said, my sheep hear my voice, period. If you're following Jesus, you will hear his voice. And if you'll lean in, in your heart, you'll hear that familiar, comforting, powerful, significant voice leading you. I'm so grateful as a follower of Jesus that I don't have to wonder what his will is for my life. I don't have to guess where he's taking me. I don't have to hope I'm doing what he wants me to do. I could know what Jesus wants me to do. I can know what his direction for my life is. In fact, God's never wanted to be distant from us. The moment he created us, he created us for relationship. In the garden, God walked with Adam as a picture of why he created, why he started the human family. And of course, Adam sins, breaks connection with God, breaks fellowship with God, but God says, we're not gonna, we're not gonna stay disconnected. 
and he starts to move closer back to humanity. He tells them at first, and tells Israel, build a tent. They build this, this tent, and he puts his presence in a room in the tent, and they said, you know, that's not good enough. Let's build a, a permanent structure. So they erect the temple, and then he, his presence is in uh, the most holy place in the temple. He says, you know, that's not even good enough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave heaven and walk among you. And Jesus walks among creation. The, the creator walks among his creation. He says, that's not even good enough. I'm going to send you my spirit. And my spirit's literally going to live in your physical bodies. How many people know it doesn't get closer than that? Yeah. And this is what Jesus said. He said, when the spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. He'll speak what, he, what he, uh, I tell him to speak. And check this out. He will tell you about the future so amazing that you don't have to wonder where you're going to be in three years or five years or even ten years. You could know with confidence what God's called you to. I'm thankful that I'm living today what God showed me five years ago and ten years ago. And I'm not wondering where I'm going in five years or ten years. I know exactly where I'm going because the Spirit of God revealed it to me. And I believe with all of my heart that the Spirit of God wants to show you what he put you, what the Father put you on the planet for, what you've been sent to the earth to release, what you've been sent to the earth, what purpose you've been sent to fulfill. His spirit is on the inside wanting to communicate to us. I believe this is step one. This is critical step one to living an impossible life. We have to start from a place of revelation. Once we, number one, hear the voice of God, then it's time, secondly, to get wisdom. Somebody say wisdom. wisdom. It's always an injustice for me when somebody has a genuine word from heaven. They know what their purpose is. They know what the next step is. They've, they've uncovered the assignment. But then they just sit back in a place of passivity, waiting for it to all just happen. Once you get the revelation, number two, then you have to passionately, diligently, intentionally pursue Wisdom. Here's the good news. Wisdom's not hard to find. In fact, it says in Proverbs, wisdom shouts in the streets. She's crying out. She's saying, pretty Ben, dumb. She, she's actually trying to get our attention. She's saying, how long will you be content not having me in your life? Look at what it says about uh, wisdom in Proverbs 8. It says, I dwell with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. I hate pride and arrogance. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight. I have power. By me, kings reign and rulers issues decrees. Verse 17, I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. I don't know about you, but I don't just want prosperity for a moment. I need prosperity that's enduring, that's sustainable, that, that works for me in the mountaintop and in the valley, through the seasons of life. And when we capture wisdom, we actually capture the ability to flourish in every season. So first comes the word, then comes the wisdom, then number three comes the plan. Somebody say plans. See, a lot of us, we just want to start with number three. We just want to sit and all right, all right, let's write out the plan. Let's, let's, let's. Let's take out the notepad and, and figure out what we're doing. And we start from our own understanding when in reality God says, no, I actually want you to lean in and listen for my voice. Then I want you to humbly pursue wisdom. And then from that foundation, 
you begin to write the blueprint. Now, planning is godly. God is a planner. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. So when Adam sinned, God didn't go into crisis mode. There wasn't a panic throughout heaven. God said, all right, let's enact the plan. God conceived the plan. It says in Ephesians 2, before the foundations of the world, he conceived the plan. And then he outworked the plan. And how many people know he's going to finish the plan? When God's done with his plan, we're going to be ruling and reigning with Christ forever. It's going to be, it's a really amazing plan. He's going to set all the wrong things right. Planning gives definitions to faith. Planning pulls promises out of eternity and puts them into time. God has a plan for your life, but he will not plan for you. We need to be willing to plan. I can remember in the first One Nation One Day, we had a real giant uh, uh, in general of the faith. He led one of the largest churches, in, he led the largest church in America for several years and was the president of a major denomination for several years. Uh, he was 80 years old when he came out to the first One Nation One Day in Honduras. Just a, an incredible general. His name is Tommy Barnett. And he was our keynote speaker for the pastor's conference. And then he said, you know what, I want to stay over and experience the stadium outreach. So he actually sat on the stadium next to the president of Honduras, sat on the platform, and next to, to myself and our leadership team, and all through the night was whispering encouraging words. And afterwards, he said, Dominic, this, this outreach was historic. It was incredible. I want to invite you to come to Los Angeles and experience the Dream Center. He and his son, Matthew, founded this place called the Los Angeles Dream Center. They bought a hospital in the heart of downtown. They rehabilitate 2,000 people every single day uh, that are addicted or homeless or uh, at risk. The stories of life transformation are breathtaking. I remember touring the entire facility, speaking on that Thursday night, and we're out to dinner in downtown Los Angeles. He said, Dominic, the real reason I brought you here was not to speak at the Dream Center. It's because... For the last six months since I stood in that moment in Honduras, I haven't been able to shake this thought. What if we could have a one nation, one day type moment here in the city of Los Angeles? What if you could bring your thousands of missionaries here? What if we could get an iconic venue here, a stadium and fill it? What if we could, and he began to cast vision for a one nation, one day type outreach in the city of LA. Now I'm a nations person and I didn't necessarily even have vision for America or for LA. But like a friend of mine says, when a general speaks to you in spirit, you don't respond in logic. And I thought, this is sacred. We, we're going to hold this in our heart. Yeah. And actually, five years ago, we bought the, the, the uh, domain name OneDayLA.com. And for five years, we began to plan, began to prepare, began to process. And in 2020, One Nation One Day will become One Day LA. We're mobilizing 20,000 missionaries to the city of Los Angeles to provide 1 million hours of service. And our theme will be Love Has No Limits. The dream is to provide the city of Los Angeles the most irrational, outrageous demonstration of love that the city has ever experienced. How many people think it's possible? I'm so thankful that when God begins to see to our hearts with revelation, we begin to, to seek wisdom. We take that journey. Then we begin to blueprint the plans. And we're right now talking to the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum 
seats 93,000 people. It's the largest stadium on the entire West Coast. How many people think it's, it's time for a powerful, innovative, unprecedented presentation of the gospel in America? So we are, we're dreaming into what that could be next summer in 2020. But I believe that there are people in the room today, you've heard the word of the Lord. You begin to seek wisdom. Some of you have been, even began to write down the plans. Once you come from that place of planning, the next stage, number four, is you anchor into faith. You anchor into faith. Oftentimes, the journey will be God gives you a promise, and then everything that you step into looks the opposite of what he said. This was the case of Abraham. God declared over Abraham. He said, I will make you a great nation. I will make your name great. I will make you famous. I will bless you. And your descendants will outnumber the grains of sand on the seashore and the stars in the sky. And yet, many of you know the story. One year passes, and his wife, Sarah, can't conceive. Five years pass, she's barren. Ten years pass, there's no promise. Twenty years pass, no evidence that the that God's promise is living. 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. Now Abraham and Sarah are so old, they're physically incapable of reproducing. And what does God say? He says, perfect timing. In, in Romans chapter 4, it says, against all hope. So many times God will answer your prayers in a way that you didn't ask so that there's no doubt in your mind it was him when he answers it. I would say 99% of the times I pray, God answers them in a way I didn't ask and a timing I didn't expect so that there's no doubt in my mind it was him. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and became the father of many nations, just as it said to him, surely this is what your offspring shall be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact his body was as good as dead. Since he was 100, Sarah was 90. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. See, I believe there's a moment when God speaks to you and everything around you looks opposite to what he says. There's a moment in your heart and in your mind where you make a decision. Am I going to actually anchor deeper into faith or... Am I going to let go of the promise? Yeah, and the Bible says he did not waver, but was strengthened in his faith. Actually, instead of weakening when it got the opposite of what God said, he anchored deeper. Now look at what happened. It says, and it gave great glory to God. I believe that heaven leans in when we have an opportunity to let go of the promise or to anchor deeper. And that moment we determine we're actually going to anchor deeper into faith. There is a glory released across heaven that is unprecedented in that moment. And Abraham was strengthened in his faith. And then, of course, the promise came. And I believe for many of us in the room, there might be the temptation to let go of what God said. Because we don't see what he said. I believe with all my heart that the opposite of faith is not fear. I actually believe the opposite of fear is love because perfect love the bible says drives out fear yeah. i believe the opposite of faith is living by sight yeah. that's why the scripture says we walk by faith not by sight. sight 
Think about through the scriptures, even when God told Joshua, I'm giving you a city called Jericho. Go to Jericho, march around the walls of the city for seven days, on the seventh day, seven times. Day one, they march around the city, nothing happens. Day two, nothing happens. Day three, nothing happens. Day four, you'd think by day five, God would say, all right, I'm going to knock a few boulders down so you know it's working. Or on day seven, lap four, there's going to be a hairline fracture in the foundations of the, of the walls. Yet God says, I want my people to be obedience-driven, not results-driven. I want my people to not lean on their understanding, lean on what they see, but instead anchor into the promise. But we will be willing to anchor in the promise no matter what we see. We will see the divine intervention of heaven. How many people know he keeps his promises? I can remember so many times through the journey. I remember being in the nation of Nicaragua once and uh, Nicaragua has a unique political structure. The president has been president for a couple decades. And uh, basically, you don't function in and through the nation without his approval, really anything of significance. And um, we were doing a One Nation One Day in 2017 in Nicaragua. We had a couple thousand missionaries on the ground. We built 500 houses for the homeless. We filled all these big stadiums. We were in all the high schools doing school programs. And the one thing the local team told us there is the leadership of the, of the campaign. They said, now, just so you know, we know you typically do a spiritual leaders conference, a business leaders conference, but you will not be doing a political leaders conference here in Nicaragua. I said, well, the vision of One Nation One Day is we touch every sphere of society, every aspect of the nation. So. We've got to rent the largest indoor conference venue. We've got to have a political leaders conference. For over an 18-month period, every six months, the leaders sat us down and made sure we knew that that wasn't possible. Up until the Monday we landed with our team, they sat us down. They said, now, Dominic, we, we know you've got this, this conference slotted for Thursday morning, but it is not going to happen. There might be some law enforcement, maybe some candidates, but you will not be addressing the government of the nation. I'll never forget that morning, driving into the conference center, sitting in the green room, and all of a sudden, one of the pastor's daughter came rushing into the green room with tears streaming down her face. She said, Dominic, El Comandante, they call him the commander, not the president. They said, El Comandante, the commander, has ordered 420 government personnel to be in the room. And they said another 400 came on their own. They said we have the entire Supreme Court, every member of Congress, every mayor from every city across the nation. The government is in that room right now. I'll never forget being able to share. Pastor Sam Rodriguez shared for a bit, and then I got to share a presentation of the gospel. And then I said, if you want to call in the name of Jesus for salvation, we invite you to stand. And I witnessed 820 members of, the, of, of a government, of a nation, stand to their feet and call in the name of Jesus for salvation. How many people know when God says something, we continue to prepare for the impossible? We don't move. We're not moved by what we see. We're moved by what he said. Number four. And number five. Once we've anchored into faith, then we prepare to release greatness. I believe for every single person in the building this morning, you were destined by God to release greatness. Like I said as we were beginning, you were sent to the earth to release something that the world has never seen. You're not just the consequence of 
your parents, you're the consequence of your creator sending you to the earth at just the right time. And I believe every detail about your life was on purpose. Your ethnicity, the time you were born, the place you were born, all of it connected to your purpose. I think about our identity. Jesus said clearly, he said, I want you to be not somebody that hides. He said, I want you to be a shining city on a hill. Sometimes I think as people of faith, we think, you know, we'll just blend in, we'll sit in the background, and yet Jesus is saying, I want you to be, I want the world to see you. He said, let men see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. What is greatness? I believe greatness is when God trusts you with the calibration of influence and authority that is uncommon. And I believe that Jesus is inviting every single one of us into a calibration of influence and authority that is uncommon. How many people know that as a Christian, you don't just represent Jesus, you also represent his kingdom. His kingdom is his rulership. It's his authority. And he wants you to stand not as a citizen of heaven and from heaven to earth. That means we stand in a place of authority on this planet. We don't stand in a place of weakness. We actually stand in the place of the greatest strength possible. But I think sometimes we think, you know, I don't want to step into greatness because, because of two C's. The first C is criticism. We think as long as I stand in line with everybody else, I'm not vulnerable to criticism. But the moment I take a step, all of a sudden I'm exposed. And I honestly, I feared criticism for many years. You know what I've come to learn? Jesus said, woe to you if all men speak well of you. Oftentimes criticism is one of the proofs you've entered into greatness. I think another thing that keeps people from entering into greatness is crowns. I think well-intentioned, well-meaning people think, you know, I just don't want the attention. So I'll just kind of stay in the background. And Jesus actually wants his church to get attention. He said, I want you to be a shining city on a hill that the world can't ignore. Just as long as when people place crowns on your head and people acknowledge what you're doing, you know every single day to take those crowns off your head and say to the Lord, Lord, you know my frame was never meant to, to handle the weight of worship. I'm redirecting every bit of honor, every bit of praise, every bit of glory to you and to you alone. Let men see my good works and glorify the Father in heaven. So, Lord, I actually take these crowns and I lay them at your feet. This is what was intended for the church. We were always supposed to be the people that do the works that Jesus did. We were always supposed to be the people that manifest the impossible. We were always supposed to be the people with him there, with whom there were no limits. There was supposed to be nothing impossible for us. I believe trapped inside of the church are the greatest inventions of our generation. I believe trapped inside of the church are the greatest businesses that have, have ever been birthed and built yet. I believe trapped inside of the church are the greatest nonprofits 
nonprofits and humanitarian organizations. I believe trapped inside of the church are the problems that the world can't solve without God. They're sitting in the hearts of the people of God, ready to bring hope and bring healing and bring new beginnings to a generation. They're actually in our spirit, waiting for us to release them, waiting for somebody to say, I'm taking the limits off. I'm taking the lid off. I'm going to manifest. I'm going to release what God sent me to the planet to release, what the world has never seen before. Scripture declares in 1 Corinthians 2, eye has never seen, ear has never heard. It's never been entered the heart of humanity, of mankind, what God has prepared for those who love him. And what you've been called to release on the earth, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind or heart has ever even conceived it. But you're carrying it. It's trapped inside of you. And you have to make a decision that you're going you're gonna to align with God. You're going to allow him to calibrate you for the impossible, that you're going to allow him to partner with you to, to bring something unprecedented to this world and to our generation. How many people are hungry for the impossible this morning? How many people are hungry to live a life of miracles this morning? I believe, actually, that God doesn't even get involved in the possible. It doesn't require him. He's just looking for somebody who will believe him for the impossible. I, I honestly think... Oftentimes, he doesn't even bother with the possible. He's, he's literally, Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? He's actually looking at our generation saying, where's the one with faith that I could partner with? Where's the one with faith that I can show up strong, I can show myself strong in their life for? He's actually surveying us, looking for heart faith. That's why Jesus looked at the generation. He said, don't you get it? If you have faith like a seed, yeah. I'm not looking for anything major. Right. I'm just looking for innocent, authentic trust. That's all I need to work with. Yeah. Would you stand to your feet all across the room this morning? I actually, I sense the presence of God, the presence of his spirit in the room right now. I know that many of us came into the room that need a miracle today, yeah. whether it's a relational miracle maybe it's a, a miracle in your career or your employment situation maybe it's a miracle in your physical health or the physical health of a loved one maybe it's a miracle uh, in your mind and your soul there's been anxiety or depression or imbalance or turmoil and you, you say I need peace I need wholeness in my mind whatever you're standing here believing for this morning I believe God wants to show himself to you I believe God wants to meet you you know it's amazing the Bible says when Jesus walked oftentimes it says this as many as touched him were made whole in Bible days in New Testament days they physically touched him 2,000 years later, we touch him with our spirit. We touch him with our heart. And I believe as many this morning as will touch him will be made whole. Whether you're standing in for somebody or whether you say, I, I need God to show himself strong. I believe even now, 
He wants to begin to do it. Others of you in the room, you say, Dominic, there's not an isolated thing I'm believing for, but just this life of miracles, this life of the impossible, this life without limits. I want to embrace my true DNA as a believer and release the impossible through my life. I believe even now as you recalibrate your expectation, as you reset your hunger, as you reset your trust that God's inviting you into the impossible life. If you're comfortable, would you lift your hands with me all across the room? Just modeling your hunger, your openness, your passion for him this morning. Just pray this with me, church. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that if nothing was impossible for you, nothing is impossible for me. And I embrace the no limits, miraculous life you invite me into in the name of Jesus. Now I'm going to pray over people needing a miracle this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every heart and every life, whatever physical sickness, whatever relational challenge, whatever family member needs to be whole, whatever person in the building even now needs you to show up in their life. Father, I pray that you would come now in strength. There's even some right now that are carrying a heavy burden. You said in your word, your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. Lord, I pray that they would exchange their burden for your burden, which is light. Lord, remove every heavy burden in the building. Utterly and completely destroy every heavy burden. I pray that each person would leave this moment, not even this service, this moment, with peace that cannot be explained. In the name of Jesus, even now, Father. Healing now. Wholeness. Life. New beginnings. Freedom. Even freedom from addiction. Freedom now. In the name of Jesus, we pray.